Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey, welcome or welcome back to Freedom Slay Podcast. This episode is such a good one as it's one of those episodes where I found myself taking a ton of notes and the wheels in my brain were working overtime with ideas during the recording and after. Now, you know I like to be transparent, so I'm going to tell you this. This episode started with a certain direction we both had in mind, and we ended up going a completely different way midway through because her knowledge is just so vast, and I wanted to dive deeper into questions that I think you as a listener will want to know. So we began discussing how she built her business during the last recession and her thoughts on how someone today can go about doing the same thing, either building a business or growing an existing business even more. And then the topic of Amazon came up and we stayed there. Let me tell you why. Today's guest is Gina Woods, better known as Gina Los Angeles, who breaks down step-by-step what you need to do to build a successful product-based business using Amazon. Now here's the thing. Prior to her coming on, I found the concept of Amazon interesting, but not a must-do. Now my mindset has completely changed and it's in large part due to what she calls the business trifecta. The trifecta is something she started talking to me about once Mike stopped recording and I had to turn the recording back on and ask her to repeat what she said because it's just too good not to share. So stick through to the very end because there are just so many gems all throughout. And you're going to want all the business knowledge from Gina Los Angeles because she's built a million dollar brand as an e-commerce and Amazon pro. She's a business mentor and online coach assisting people to launch and grow successfully on Amazon, including episode 33 guest Renee, who made a million dollars in one year and also happens to be her sister. Now, whether or not you, like I was prior to chatting with Gina, aren't quite sold on the whole idea of Amazon or even having a physical product. Never say never because this episode may change your mind. I figured, you know, maybe in the future, but for now, my book is the only physical product I need. That was my mindset before. I have lots of services. I don't need products. Well, lean in and buckle up because after we recorded this episode, I literally went to sleep thinking about it and then woke up at 4 a.m. with ideas. So that's enough teasing. Remember to stick to the end. It is going to be worth every single second of your time. Enjoy! Hello. Welcome, Gina. I'm excited to speak with you today. I am so happy to be on with you. You checked all the boxes. You know, you were a 20-something who graduated from Purdue. You bought a house. You really had no issues making mortgage payments or anything like that. And you were unsatisfied with your nine-to-five job that was earning you over 70K a year. So you sought to build something for yourself. So can you give us just some background on how this all went down and how your loved ones felt about this giant leap of faith? Sure, sure. So I was more forced into entrepreneurship. And before I entered the world of my own business, I worked in outside business-to-business sales. And I loved it. I was in a really great career where I pretty much did control my hours, um, but I did work for a corporation. And I bought a home very early in life. And I was living in Indianapolis at the time. And it was a reasonable price home. I just felt uncomfortable in my comfortableness, if that makes sense. I always knew that I wanted to start my own business. And I felt that I was getting a little too comfortable. And I knew that if I continued upon the track, I would completely disregard my dreams of becoming an entrepreneur. So... I still resumed, even though I, with my job, I transferred over to Chicago because me and my husband were newlyweds and his company at the time transferred us to Chicago. And I was all set to go with a transfer. However, the company that I was working with said that they decided to rescind the transfer and to have someone who was more familiar with the Chicago area at the time. So I was more forced into it. Um, Initially, just first thought, I was saying, let me go ahead and get another job because I was scared. 
And then I thought about it and said, this is my opportunity to start my own since I did not have the job at the time. And so I asked my husband if we could live below our means. I actually started my business in the last recession. That was back in 2010. And my house at the time became uh, valued $40,000 less than what I bought it for. So I was forced to become um, a real estate investor where I rented out my property. And long term, that was actually a good thing for me. Okay, that's so many things to unpack right there. So I loved when you said uncomfortable in your comfortableness. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that, where they're sitting at work and they're like, yeah, it's comfortable. But the thought of that makes them uncomfortable because it's not what they know they're meant to be doing, right? So I'm sure many people's going to listen and resonate with that. And I heard you say you were pushed to do this, you know, during a recession when your house property dropped. So how were your family and friends, your loved one, how did your husband feel when you asked him that? Like, you know, can we live below our means? Right. So we were living in a pretty expensive condo at the time, and we were expecting to live in a two-income household situation where everything, we had a child at the time. So we had childcare, we had this pretty expensive condo and everything was based off of two income. So that's why we said, let's just live below our means. And so what I did was I, instead of having full-time daycare, my child just went to noon. So we were able to cut our daycare in half. And so from the hours of eight to noon, I really honed in on what I wanted to do for myself and what I wanted to bring to the world. And that was a very frustrating time. It wasn't just beautiful roses and just free self-discovery. It was very uh, frustrating time to figure out who am I and what do I have to offer to the world? Mm-hmm. So your husband seems that he like he was on board though. It wasn't pushing you to get you know a regular job or something like that. It's like, okay, let's make this work. So that's that's good that you guys had that understanding as well. And like you said, you started your business during the recession. So that's a time when so many people are fearful of strain and being unable to pay bills. Did you have those fears? I know you said, you know, you were cutting out expenses, picked up your kid at noon instead of letting them stay the whole day. So I want to know, like, what were you doing that helped you with, especially during that time? And what kind of mindset did you have to have to thrive during this time? Yeah, that's a really great question. I feel like you have to build up your mental endurance, especially to be an entrepreneur. And I was, I was the first generational entrepreneur. I did not um, have anything to look at as far as a, a blueprint to model. However, I was very resourceful as far as reading books, audio books, listening to podcasts, webinars. And then I became a rabbit hole. Sometimes you can consume too much, right? And so I decided to put all my effort on just one focus point at a time, one model or one point of reference one coach at a time. And so that's what what I did to narrow down my focus and I we laid out our plan as far as by this time like within these 3 to 4 months we need to have some type of business in place. Between this point and this point we need to have some type of revenue stream coming in, etc. So we we definitely had a timeline um as far as that. And obviously it's not going to be cookie cutter, but it definitely Mm -hmm. helped with setting goals. For sure. Having a plan in place, even if that plan changes, which a lot of times it does, it still creates somewhat stability, right? Because you know where you're looking to go, at least you know where you're aiming for. So that's helpful. And I love that you said, you know, you didn't have a blueprint. You were the first in your family to do this. You know, you were resourceful. You did the work. You read the books. You listened to the podcast and went and attended the webinars. And it gets to a place where you have to stop consuming so much content and start doing your own, right? Doing your own thing, which I think is super helpful. So I'm glad you mentioned that and what were the first streams that you had so i decided i have a very strong love for hair and switching up hairstyles where wearing it long wearing it short and a ponytail big 
small. So I decided to go to the route of hair extensions. And so that was at a time where a lot of people of color were not selling the hair extensions. You would typically get it from the beauty supply store at the time. And I started my own website. I did it all through e-commerce and I did a lot of foot traffic going to salons and introducing myself and building those connections, that credibility. And it was a very different time, 2010, than it is now. But I am so thankful that I had that because I know the importance of face-to-face and building that face-to-face connection with your customer. Mm -hmm. It definitely helps build the bond even deeper and they get to see who you are and what you're all about, really. You know, when you get to speak to someone that's amazing, but when you can see them face to face, you can really build a bond. So I like that you did that extra work because even back then there were people that were picking up phone call, the phone, I should say, to call people and call call them. You know, you were actually building relationships, which was stepping outside of what a lot of people at the time were doing anyway. So good on you for that. And with this, with this current pandemic we're in and, you know, the recession many are predicting that's going to follow, what advice do you have for people who are considering starting or if they have already started maybe growing their business right now? Yeah, I would say that this is a really great time to actually start a business. And um, that may be shocking for some people. And if you actually have a business, this is a great time to ramp it up, especially if it is an e-commerce business. And that's because one, we're all online now, right? A lot of the closed uh, stores are closed down and people that didn't even shop online are now forced to shop online. So you have the world's attention now. So I think this is a really great time to ramp it up, start ramping up advertising to get in front of the people that you would like to get in front of. And it's really great also from standpoint of negotiating with suppliers. A lot of suppliers are fearful that they're going to lose buyers and customers. So now you can negotiate lower prices if you have physical products. A lot of people are at home and they're figuring out what to do if you offer services and they need assistance. So I would say really ramp up your business or get started if you haven't. So many great points in there that I hadn't even considered some of them. Like when you were saying, it's a great time to ramp it up because those who didn't shop online before are now a force to. So that's something you know, but it's, it's not until someone actually says it where you're like, you're right. Like they can't just easily get outside and go shop at a store because either they're closed or they're at home on quarantine or whatever at the moment. So it's a really great opportunity for them to grow it. That's so true. And like you said, great time to negotiate lower prices. So if you're listening to this and you have a product-based business, I want you to take what Gina is saying to heart and don't ever tell yourself you can or that it wouldn't work for you. Instead, ask yourself, how can this work for you? Trust and believe that many companies, not even just the people who are, you know, your suppliers and intermediaries, but even like your email subscriber company and different, you just never know if you have a long-term relationship with a company that you're using, don't be afraid to ask. The least they can say is no, at which point you're going to be in the same predicament you are in today. So it's not going to make things worse for you. However, if they do say yes, and they work with you to lower the price for something, or even just to, you know, cut it stock for a few months, then you've given yourself more money for your business, which is great. So I do like that, especially if you're going through like an Alibaba or something for your products. I'm sure it's super easy to negotiate and understand that you're not doing it from a place where you're trying to rip somebody off or you're trying to make sure, you you know, you get over them. That's not the point of this at all. You still want to, you don't want them to be in the hole. You still want them to make a profit off of it. Right. But we all know that many people are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty axing what something costs to send it to you anyway. So if you can even get that down a little bit, you're doing you a service and you're doing them a service by staying their client. So I really do um I love that that what you just said. Thank you, Gina. Right. And then another thing is a lot of people are being laid off and they are looking for opportunities. So if you are a startup business, you may be able to attract a talent that you otherwise probably wouldn't have been able to attract as a startup business because people are experiencing layoffs or less work. 
So you have more opportunity to attract someone you probably wouldn't have before given this situation as well. So you have to look at this as we see problems, but from an entrepreneur point of view, when you see problems, you have to see an opportunity. Agree 100%. There's always opportunities hidden in there. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but you do have to exploit the opportunities. And that doesn't mean that you're exploiting the people that are part of, you know, the world right now. You're not exploiting people. You're exploiting the opportunities that are available. Like Uber opened, during the last recession, right? They saw that taxis were expensive. People were complaining a whole lot and they decided to fix it with this. So it's little things that you can do that can change it. And when you said that, that reminded me of something you said earlier as well, which was it's also a time when so many more people are home. Even if they're working from home, when they're taking the lunch breaks and things like that, they have a lot more free time for the most part, right? I know some are homeschooling and things like that, but we do have more time because we're no longer commuting, let's say, to and from work. So they now have the opportunity, especially if you have a service-based business, to work with you, right? Especially if you're selling like e-products. So yeah, I absolutely love that. And what are your recommendations for selling during a recession? Because I know so many people are afraid to push sales for their products right now and even their services thinking that it's insensitive. And I have my thoughts on this, but I'd love to know what you think about this. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Oh, great. I think there's still a need that we have. And for example, my sister, her business, Glow by Day, she sells hair care products. And so we're forced to be at home and do our own hair. If you normally go to the salon, you can't. And so this is a, and it's not considered a need where it would be labeled essential need per se. However, it is a need for a lot of people who want to maintain their hair and she has the conditioning caps. And so they need to know about her. They need to know about Glow by Day and things like this. So I say, don't be afraid to, share what you have for the people that are at home and need need your product. So you're offering something of value. And I think that a lot of times people think, well, you know, in the state of mind, a lot of people still do have work. A lot of people are still working from home and people are receiving their stimulus check and they are still getting unemployment, et cetera. And so don't look at your product if it is of value as you're being insensitive from my point of view, if it, if it is something that's appropriate that people can use. I agree 100%. And we have to remember that when we're in business, everyone that's doing it right are in the business of solving a problem for somebody, right? And the reality is no matter what's going on in the world, the problems they have are still there. So they still encounter if someone needs to condition their hair and needs to wash their hair at home because there's a pandemic outside, while they may be distracted, this still this problem still needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned, you may have heard Gina mention her sister. So that's Renee Orton, who's on episode 33 of the podcast. So that one was entitled $1 million in one year using Amazon with Renee Orton. So that's her sister. But it's uh, absolutely right. You have to remember the underlying reason. You're not ripping people off when you're trying to sell. You have something of value and you're solving a problem. So it's an, it's an equal exchange. You aren't stealing somebody's money. And I do believe that when we are selling during trying times that the messaging may have to pivot. So maybe you are going to mention something about COVID and because you're home, you know, you're talking about it specifically. So then the message resonates even more. So you're home and you can't get it to your hairdresser. Let me help you figure out how to deep condition your hair, that type of thing. So you still bring it up, you make it relevant 
and it can be so impactful for your business, but you cannot shy away. Like business is all about sales, right? If you don't have sales, you don't have a business. You can have the fa most fancy marketing, the most fancy branding. Like you can have the most fancy brand colors, I should say, and all the things. You can have a fancy logo. However, if you aren't <laughs> selling, none of that matters. And if you aren't solving a problem, you're not going get to get the sale. So it's important to understand that you're speaking to them from a place of helping them to resolve rather than speaking to them a place of pay me, you know? So I agree 100% with that, Gina. Thank you. Yes, exactly. And I know you've also hit the seven figure mark that many people dream of. When and how exactly did this happen? Yeah. So I was pregnant with my fourth child living in Los Angeles and I looked at Amazon just from a consumer point of view. I first ordered maybe a year prior to getting pregnant with my fourth child, I ordered a book and it was on my doorstep less than 24 hours the next day. I believe it was a Sunday actually. And that's why I was really surprised. Like, how did this get here? It isn't even carriers delivering on this day. And I was just so amazed at how Amazon worked and their logistics. And so my husband brought to my attention that you actually can sell on Amazon. And so I didn't think too much of it at a time at the time because I was selling hair extensions and the price point was pretty not high, but I found out that Amazon is more of an impulse buy. And so it's better to have products that's at the $40 or less point. And oh, so I believe I, you because I add so many <laughs> random things to that cart. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And so once you get over the $40 to $50 price point, that's where people start to think more about, hmm, do I really need this, et cetera, let me do more research. But I decided to start a completely new brand, women's undergarments, such as bras, et cetera. And that was within that criteria of the $40 and less. And in my head, I just said, yeah, let me just make a few thousand dollars since we're having four kids. Let me just add another stream of income and get on the Amazon platform. And then my brother-in-law, which is Renee's husband, said, if you're going to do it, why don't you do it for real? So that was just a really big trigger for me and said, yeah, why don't I go at it full throttle? And so that's what I did, still pregnant. And on the day that I delivered, I got my first sale. Fast forward four months with four children, the ages, which was a newborn, a one-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a, a, a six-year-old. I made it to $100,000 in sales in the first four months with all these little kids, three in diapers. And so I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I have to share it. So I started a blog and I just started to share with people who asked about, you know, how are you uh, living the lifestyle that you live? And I told them about my hair extension company, Rupee Hair, but I said a platform that is really amazing that actually cuts down years of time is using the Amazon platform. And the Amazon platform that we used FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon. And that's where Amazon actually stores your products for you and they ship it to the end user. They handle customer service, they handle refunds. So it shaves a lot of time that you would have as a small business. And I just think it's incredible, at least for people to start on Amazon and then to diversify because you don't want to be married to just one channel and dependent on one channel. So I say to use it as a launching platform and build your capital, which they already have the audience and you're able to really grow your business a lot faster than I did when I started my hair extensions business. Mm -hmm. And really quickly, before I move on to another question I have for you, you mentioned FBA. So fulfilled by Amazon that deals with the customer service and refunds and all that. And I always, as soon as I, I hear something and I have a question, I'm like, I know the person listening may have a question too. So I want to know, with this, how does it work if you have the stuff, you give it to them? So do they pay you once someone purchases it? Do they have to sign like a contract of some sort to say that, you know, you've given them a certain amount of product? Or is it like a third party shipper that gets connected to them directly? Like what is the behind the scenes for that? Right. Good question. So it's no contract in place. You do have to pay a monthly membership to be a professional seller with Amazon and it's $39.95. It is the best investment. I was just gonna say, that's, a, <laughs> that's an amazing price. <laughs> it is. 
And there are, there are also fees such as the selling fee, which is usually a 15% fee and other fees such as storage fees, which isn't that expensive, especially if your product is moving as it should. And so there are other fees behind the scene that you need to make sure that you account and allocate to make sure that you have the proper margin. But you use an Amazon preferred shipper. So you have preferred shippers from Amazon, which can be UPS, DHL, or United States Post Service, as well as Amazon is also a preferred carrier. And you will send it at a discounted rate directly to the nearest Amazon facility. What Amazon does behind the scenes, which is really amazing as well, is they will disperse it on their own to different facilities, Amazon facilities, that is closest to the customers likely to buy. So an example would be if I'm selling coats, but I'm here in Los Angeles, I'll send it to the nearest Amazon facility for a discounted price. So I make sure that my margins are in there. And then Amazon will see this is most likely to sell on the East Coast. So Amazon will send it to the East Coast or other areas where people are most likely to purchase coats. And so this is behind the scenes on Amazon where I don't even see this process. So I think that's really incredible. And that's how you're able to get things so fast with Amazon with the one day prime or two day prime. I love that. And the great thing with Amazon, it's like a Google because people use it as a search engine when they're looking for something. So they know where people are looking for certain things and even right down to the color of things, right? They know which parts of the country or which countries are more interested in certain items. So yeah, that's their geniuses. And I'm thank you for that behind the scenes because I had no idea how it worked. <laughs> yeah. They and have so I, much data. It's amazing. Yeah. So much data. I mean, think of all the things we look for on a weekly basis, like the most random things, I'm sure. So. <laughs> I just wanted to add on top of that as far as that it's a search engine, but I think it's, it is a search engine, which is so powerful. And it's even better than Google in a sense that when people go to Amazon, they are looking to purchase. They're not just looking to purchase, but they also have their credit card stored and it's a one-click buy now option. So it's really an advantage. So true, super easy. Yes, super. They've made it where it's a really great streamlined process to purchase. So it's so many things that Amazon offers where you have the power of already having the credit card stored, where they don't have to add another step in the process of pulling out their credit card. That's amazing. That's so true. I mean, it's so easy to buy on Amazon. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, but it's just the easiest thing ever. And another thing you had mentioned a little while earlier that I wanted to highlight for those who are listening to this podcast, Gina mentioned that she was pregnant with her fourth child when she started this and that when she got to that first 100K, she had three in diapers, you know? So it's important for us to lay aside our excuses as to why something can't work for us and start using those things that we may think are our barriers as things that are actually motivators for us to do the things that we want and need to do. So thank you for sharing that story, Gina. You help people to launch and grow on Amazon. I saw that. And your sister, like you mentioned earlier, Renee from the podcast episode 33, she had came to me and mentioned that you're just the Amazon pro and that you helped her with so many things and taught her so much. Why do you think, I know we mentioned some of the things just now, but why do you think Amazon is the place to be? And, you know, what is it that you help people to do with their launches? Yes, thank you. So I started off initially doing one-on-one mentorship. And which is really great in showing them from the ideation phase to getting your samples ordered to vetting suppliers all the way to having it on Amazon and beyond and how to grow on Amazon and pivot to your own website and to other channels such as Target.com, Walmart.com, etc. But what I found is that we are better collectively together. And so I decided to start a mastermind where there are certain things that or certain questions that we have that we don't even think to ask. So a mastermind 
was very powerful in that we have different people in every step of the process, such as Renee, who's a seven-figure business, and some people who are just starting out, but they're also an attorney from uh, their background, or people who have specialty in social media or marketing, et cetera. And so they're launching and growing on Amazon, but they have all these collective knowledge and expertise behind them that actually makes us stronger as a business overall. So I have a mastermind, which is phenomenal. And we go through, we have a specific topic that we talk about uh, biweekly, as well as have a channel where we ask questions intermittently throughout the bi-weekly meetings. And then I also have a full course. So that will allow you on your own time to go through the course as we go through the mastermind as well. And so I, I found that just to be really phenomenal. I also do one-on-one in between our bi-weekly masterminds, but I found that to be the best is to come together as a community. Mm-hmm. And that's so helpful too. Like you said, people are going to be asking questions that are in different stages, but also with different backgrounds, things that you may not even think of. And I find that's so helpful in group settings anyway. So even some of my courses, I did one-on-one in the past, and I find that the group ones are so beneficial for other people in it. So where can people find you if they need that information? If they want to go and figure out, you know, maybe they're listening to you right now, And they're like, okay, you know what? I'm considering starting something on Amazon because it's so easily accessible because your credit cards on there and everything's so easy and it's a search engine. I want to work with Gina. How do they find you? Right. So you can find me on social Instagram at Gina Los Angeles and my website where you can learn more information as well about the course and the mastermind at GinaLosAngeles.com. Perfect. And what are the first three things you think someone should be doing to set up their products through Amazon? So this is, they've already went through, assuming they went through the ideation phase and they already have a brand. Is that correct? I mean, if we have the time, we can do both. So let's, let's pretend that they know what they want to do. They know who they want to target, but they're trying to figure out how do they create let's say a head scratcher, like I'm making this up, but they want to make a head scratcher. Like where do they go from there? Okay, great. So I would say the first three things is you want to define who your audience is, because that is going to be the biggest thing of how you communicate on Amazon and who you talk to, how your language is, what do your images look like? And so let's just take Renee, for example. There are other people selling bonnets on Amazon. However, she was the very first to have women of color in bonnets. And the other images portray Caucasian women with their bonnets on. And so she wanted to target a certain group of people who had big curly hair and different wanted to switch up their styles. And so she was able to use the language that really said, okay, we're on the same page. This product is for me. So I, that's what I would say first is define who your audience is, who you're talking to. And then the two is you want to be able to map out and delegate. So if you want to have images, for instance, You need to make sure I need to have a a graphic designer who can do Photoshop, my images and the stock photo, et cetera. And so you want to map out who are all the people that you need on your team. And it doesn't need to be an employee. It can be you searching simply on Fiverr.com and you can find someone who's reasonably priced. And we're in a situation right now where a lot of people are looking for work. So you can find people who are just looking for extra contract work that are at home. And that's simple, like go to Craigslist, go to Craigslist, et cetera. So the second is make sure that you get your team and be able to delegate, delegate and for them to understand what we're trying to do. We're trying to get launched on Amazon. And so this is the piece of the puzzle that I need you to do. And then the third is to, it's a little bit of a learning curve of understanding Amazon's platform. So I would go ahead and get set up at Amazon as a professional seller and really understand all your fees because that will help you to determine your price, et cetera. Do you need to have a higher price on Amazon? Can you afford to have a lower price on Amazon? Because at the end of the day, we're in the business of making money. And so you want to make sure that your profit margins are in there. 
after all the fees that Amazon collects. Awesome. Such great advice. And I had no intention of doing anything on Amazon, but the way you're talking about it and the way your sisters talked about it, I'm like, man, I am tempted to <laughs> look into this. <laughs> Create a new stream using Amazon. Seriously, I love it. So that's what they do. And once it's set up, so once they have everything on it, what would you say they need to focus on to get those reviews, to get more people? Do you think they should like jump on, you know, having ads from Amazon pushed there right away? Or is there something else you think they should be doing? Right. So I do think that you need to have a launch strategy. You need to have people in place that whether you give the product to, or if you have an email list, reach out to your email list and say, Hey guys, exciting news. We're on Amazon now. Go ahead and get it for this discounted price, et cetera. And it's only for a limited time at this price or whatever your strategy would be to get the customers on there, on the Amazon platform, because Amazon rewards you for bringing more people to their platform. And then you want to rank for keywords. So for instance, with the example that you gave of the head scratcher is, is a great keyword, a head massager stress reliever gadget are these keywords that a lot of people are searching for. And so if, if this is a high traffic keyword, you want people to go for that keyword. So that is part of your strategy as well, because the higher that people would enter, for instance, head scratcher, and you have a lot of people that are going to your listing and purchasing, Amazon is going to bring you higher in the search results. And 80% of people buy in the top three of the search that they do. They're not gonna go on page two. We call that dead man's land because people are typically just going to buy on the first page and the top three results. So that's your goal is to get there. And then you want to, you want to set a plan in phases. So Amazon is a review game because we like to see social proof. No one likes to be a guinea pig. So if you have two reviews or five reviews and other people in your listing are at around 100, you want to make sure that that will be your initial target. I want to get to at least the three digits, the 100 reviews. If, if that's what you need to be in the playing game. And so that would be your goal, in my opinion, before you turn on any type of internal advertising, such as pay-per-click or sponsored ads within Amazon. Because if you turn that on prematurely, all you're doing is paying for people to come to your listing and they don't convert to a sale because they don't see reviews. They don't see any type of social proof. So I say to make sure that you have your launch strategy set out to get people there to purchase and then the result also to, to leave a review. And so there's different type of reviews that are really powerful. Obviously, a review that says looks nice, that's not giving me much feedback, but you want a meaty review where people are really bringing to life your product and essentially selling it. And then also having photo reviews and the cream of the crop is to have a video review. And those are things such as how to unboxing demonstration reviews. It's just phenomenal. Those are just, those are golden, I would say, to have those type of reviews. But I you would agree. Yeah, you can video as well. A lot of people don't know that they can add their own video as a seller. And so that can just be your own commercial, that could be your own a review from someone else. But you want to optimize your listing and making sure you have your images and your word copy and you want to answer people's questions that people have and get those reviews up. Yeah, that was so much good information. And I can agree as you're talking, I'm nodding my head and like wanting to interrupt because I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's so me. Like I will watch the video. I and it is the cream of the crop because people don't often put pictures and, vi and videos up. Right. But when someone has one, you will look if you're looking at the reviews, the reviews or the products, I should say, that have more reviews, you're definitely paying more attention to those and more likely to buy, even if they're a couple dollars more, because you feel more secure in it. So I thought that was really great. And one thing you said that I had another question about, you had mentioned about ranking for keywords and, you know, looking for things that are in the top three results, etc. How do you know where the keywords ranking? Like, is there a special software you're using? Or 
I know you have the advanced search on Amazon, but on there, I've never seen the ranking per se. Like, how can you see how popular a keyword is? That's a really good question. So there are a few ways that you can see different keywords that are great. One is, this is just a really great example of how people will bypass this is if you were to enter head scratcher and as you're entering head scratcher so you put in head sc it'll do a drop down list on amazon of other things that people have searched because mm. amazon make it easier for you to get to what you want right <laughs> and so you'll see that drop down results and that's an example and they will have the other keywords such as head massager or gadgets to help you with migraines and etc and so that's a really good way to find additional keywords another way is using google keyword planner that will give you different ideas of what people search on google related to that so you can enter head scratcher and it will give you other things that people will search as well okay and i actually have the google um keyword thing on my computer from the youtube channel so for those of you who are listening it's actually oh goodness i don't even remember what you call it it's not a tab but it's that thing that adds to the top of your like your your um safari or chrome browser what is it called Yes, there we go. I'm like, where's the word? Ganette, use your words. Yeah, so the it's a keyword extension and I have it on there. I didn't even think to use that. So yeah, thank you for even explaining that. So you see, I'm asking and I actually I have that. That's hilarious. So yeah, the things they're searching on Google, they're definitely going to be searching on Amazon for because that's where they're purchasing. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Gee, so much information. And I loved what you mentioned about the reviews getting the reviews if you see someone else who is in your niche or who's selling something similar to what you're looking to sell and they have a hundred reviews then you know that's your minimum that you're looking to get right your target that you have so that was really great information i'm so excited i've turned this into like an amazon episode because i was asking you about a whole bunch of other stuff oh no, great i love it i love i love the amazon platform i love sharing about it so people can get started. I mean, i not saying that I did the hard way when I started 10 years ago, but if I were to compare it to Amazon, I would say, oh my gosh, I would have loved it 10 years ago if, if, if I knew about launching on Amazon at that time. <laughs> And what about those who are thinking like they're thinking about it and they're like, is it too late? I know that's something, another thing of resistance, that resistance block that people create for themselves thinking, well, you know, it's been around for a while. There's already a bunch of them on there, you know, like, is it too late? And I know you mentioned like your sisters, there were many bonnets there and she was able to differentiate because she was clear on her audience. So what's your, what's your response to that? If people are asking like, is it too late to join the Amazon game? Uh, definitely not definitely you have if you have something to bring to value to the world bring it please we want it <laughs> we need you and i think the thing is sometimes our people are afraid to just have another me too product but sometimes people just want something new or different it could be for instance let's see example of a, a hat and it's like hat isn't a new invention but if you're bringing a color or a texture that stands out and make people look different, then that is something that we need. And that's something that people like. And so to have something that's not necessarily a new invention isn't required. But if you can sell a hat on Amazon and you're speaking to like you're speaking to your culture or in that in that form or something that is just oh, this is a new edge to it, I think that that will really go well on Amazon as well. So I think that you should not just look at what can I do to sell, just what's selling hot and I'll put it on there. You're going to lose drastically, okay? Mm -hmm. But when you think of what is something that I can give to the people and have a giving mentality, that's where you can pay that to win on Amazon and your own platform, et cetera.
love that. And it's doing it from the place of trying to solve a problem for them. Because even with a hat, it may be the problem that they're bored with the red hat they have and they want a new red hat, right? It's that whole Bruno Mars analogy I always bring up. Like imagine if Bruno Mars said he's not going to sing and dance because Michael Jackson already did it. You know how many songs I wouldn't know right now? I'd be sad. So we have to let that piece go where we're fearful of it. And I know Alibaba is a place that a lot of people use specifically for like creating those products that they want to sell on Amazon. Are there any others that you find that are better or that have better customer service or just another alternative for someone who may have tried Alibaba in the past and they weren't a fan? Yeah, I would say I have use for, for my finding my suppliers. I believe that all the big suppliers are on Alibaba and it ad, it has built up their reputation as a trusted source. And so I just think that you need to go through the vetting process of finding the supplier on Alibaba that best fits you. Because I think that they're all there because Alibaba is basically, in a sense, like Amazon, it is a trusted source. Mm-hmm. So I haven't experienced a bad um, experience from, Am- I mean, Alibaba per se, I just know how to vet out the supplier. So, and I wouldn't chuck that up to being Alibaba being a bad experience. So mm-hmm. there's a certain criteria that you can do to vet out whether a supplier is going to work well or not. And so a couple of those questions that you can ask is once you reach out to the suppliers, how quickly do they respond back to you? Are they able to communicate to you well of what you need? Are they helping you in your business as far as giving you ideas for other things, complimentary things that you can sell as well? And so these, are they shipping your product on time, such as samples? And those are some of the criteria where you can weed out, yes, this is definitely going to work. They're on my team or no, this is not going to work. They don't even reply to me till a week later. Mm-hmm good information and i have a i've had a few clients that have used alibaba and they haven't had those issues but maybe one could have had issues had she not gone through all the vetting right so there were times when they were asking for like down payments for certain for certain things she was doing and i told her i said well get a picture of their factory get a picture of that mock-up they created get a picture with them holding it you know make it real like show me this is real you know because she was fearful at the time that they may just take the money and run. So do what you have to do to feel secure with that person. If that means hopping on a phone call, if that means inviting them on WhatsApp and having back to back, because a lot of them are in Asia, especially the ones who my clients have worked with. So if that's the case, you're looking at two different time zones. So are they responding soon as they can, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's important that you are doing the vetting and you're not just running to anybody blindly because they have the lowest prices. You want people who gel with you. So thank you for that information, Gina. Yeah, um, and there's a lot that's in the, a lot of resources that I have. I have a full, I have templates where you copy and paste directly to your suppliers. And I also have the different questions that you want to ask to vet the suppliers as well. And some of the questions like I just mentioned now, but it's really important because, you know, that can scare people away from continuing to even pursue their business, having a bad experience with a supplier. So it's best to do as much due diligence as possible. And don't be afraid to invest in your success. Join Gina's mastermind and get those templates so you don't have to even try to figure it all out on your own. Gina, I'm telling you, you got my wheels turning. So the second I come up with something, I'm joining your mastermind too. So one other thing, like how do you know how much supply to give to Amazon then, especially on that first round when you're brand new, you have this, you know, this item that you're going to sell on Amazon. How do you know how much to send via their trusted carrier to the warehouses? Right. So that's a very good question because that's a very common question within the people that I work with. And you have to work within your budget because at the end of the day, you have to build up history to know how quickly it is moving. And, it, and it's going to take some time to build up that history because if you're selling, for instance, bathing suits, 
then obviously there's going to be a peak season from the months of May to August. And then it'll do a hard slope down probably in December or it'll flatline. So you have to have that history and that way you can start to know like this is what I need to reorder or I need to reorder by this certain point. But when I started, I only started from 150 units. I had a very small budget because I was where I wanted to see if it worked. And I ran out of those 150 units like within three weeks and I had to call my supplier like, how quickly can you give me some more of my units? And I, it was, the lead time was about four weeks. So that's really important of understanding your lead time. And for those, basically it was between four to six weeks from me getting it from my supplier here to the U.S. to the fulfillment center. And for, for six weeks, I was out of products. And that really hurt me at the time because now that messed up my my rankings for the keywords because I was out of stock and Amazon will penalize you for that and it was just a learning learning experience that I had had to understand but I was not comfortable with ordering 5,000 units at the time because I just wanted to see how fast it would move. So I would say if you're really confident that you can move it on Amazon and you have other channels that you can move it on, such as your own website, or you have an audience built up on your social media channels, then it will move, it will move different places, that's fine. But at the time I was only trying to move it on Amazon. So I negotiated a lower minimum order quantity and I didn't know that it would move that quick and I was out of stock. So it's, it's some things you're just going to have to experience of, oh, shoot. And Amazon actually shows you this is what you could have made had you been in stock. And I think it was something that like $20,000. Ouch. <laughs> it, was, it was probably way more than that, but it was something that, yeah, definitely had that, oh, wow. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Amazon. We love all your, your statistics. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And are you still selling on Amazon today? I am selling on Amazon. I am in the process of selling. And that's another thing you want to put your business in a position to sell. So should that be something that you want to do? Because I feel like I want to put my efforts more into other things that I'm doing. I want to invest more back into my rupee hair business that is my baby as well as I have a strong passion for helping people with entrepreneurship so I'm ramping up my Gina Los Angeles brand as long as as well as my course and my mastermind and so I think that I'm at the place in my life where I'm making a change and mm -hmm. so I would say I would give that advice to people that you want to make sure that you set your business up to if you want to sell it, that you can sell it. And Amazon is a really great place because all the information there is on Amazon. A lot of people do buy, I hate to call it Amazon business, but people buy businesses that are selling well on Amazon because it's, Amazon is king right now. Mm -hmm. So. And you're into real estate as well. You invest in real estate too. You're doing so much. Yeah, and that's another thing that's keeping my playful as well. I mean, I have four kids, so I think that we have to think long-term as well. And that is something that I know as I continue to get older and I'm still like relatively young at the time now, but just setting my family up and my extended family up for the future. So you don't want to just continue to only do cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. You need to make sure that you reinvest it into long-term cash flowing assets as well. And that's what I'm doing with the real estate. Legacy and, building. Yeah. And then live off the profits from your assets, your cash generating assets versus only just your business. So amazing. Uh, you're, I'm telling you, you're convincing me. You're going to see me before the end of the day, like <laughs> pop into your mastermind without a single plan. <laughs> Without a single plan right now, because I'm just getting my juices flowing right now, thinking about all the things. And I heard you mention, you know, you're putting your business currently in a position to sell. And is that through Amazon? Like, do they have a special form for people who are selling their business and people can hop on? Or do you get normal, like, inbox requests from people wondering if you're selling your store? Yeah, you get that as well. But you also can go through a broker. And so the broker basically works out the whole process of selling it between the buyer and the seller. And this uh, is like a specific Amazon broker? 
it isn't directly with Amazon. So Amazon, I'm sure they will have that in the future. Um, and, it's, <laughs> and I'm like, for instance, Shopify has something it's called exchange by Shopify, where if you want to sell like your business and it's on Amazon, you can, they'll see, I mean, at Amazon, but Shopify, you can see the sales, you can see um, how many units and et cetera. Um, but I'm sure Amazon will have a platform if someone wants to sell their business where they get a piece of the pie from that. But broker is similar to, to like a real estate broker where basically they uh, put the deal together and make sure that um, both parties agree on the different terms. Mm -hmm. You're giving us so many jams. I'm excited about this. Okay. And for everyone who's listening, if you're like me and you're like, she's telling me all the right things and I need to work with her, then you would go to GinaLosAngeles.com. You can find her on Instagram at the same place. I love when someone's the same place everywhere. It just makes you easy to find, easily accessible, which I love. So Gina Los Angeles everywhere, if you're interested in the mastermind or in any of her e-courses. And I know you also have like an entrepreneurial camp for kids. You have so many different things. So check out the website for sure. And it's one question I always love to ask everyone who comes on the podcast. And that is, what does freedom mean to you? Wow. Freedom to me means living my purpose. Um, And I feel like a lot of times we can get stuck in living someone else's purpose or helping them with their purpose only and neglect our own. And so that's freedom to me is to make sure that I live out my purpose and to die on E. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes to all of that. (laughs) Love it. Thank you so much again, Gina, for hopping on the podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I love your podcast. Thank you again. Okay, now at the beginning of the podcast, you would have remembered me saying we stopped recording and then she started talking about a business trifecta and I had to start the recording again so that we can get this on the podcast. So here is that part. Okay, Gina, you just mentioned something about a business trifecta. (laughs) We had stopped the recording, everybody. And Gina mentioned about a business trifecta. And we think this is good to include in the podcast as well. So Gina, what is a business trifecta? Okay, great. So online is very powerful. And I think that it's important to have diversify how you are selling online. And I call it the trifecta, which is having a physical product as well as a digital product and as well as a service. So for my case, my physical product is my physical brand, such as my women's undergarments and my hair extensions. And I learned so much from that. I'm able to share it with people. And that's how I offer my services of my mentorship and mastermind. So that would be my services. And my digital products is my course that I have laid out of teaching people how to launch and grow on Amazon. So I'm able to have working on all cylinders of having the physical, digital products and the services. So even when one area slows down a little bit, like for instance, we're experiencing this situation of COVID where some sales may go down in the physical, it will have an increase on my digital where people are like, I need to I need to have more streams of income. Let me get into a course and let me get into a mastermind. So there's an increase in my digital products as well as my services. So you're able to operate on all cylinders and not just depend on one and just have just physical products or only offer services or only have digital products. So I think that's really great for people who are thinking about expanding or thinking of other ways if they're just stuck in one or I wouldn't say stuck, but just operating with one to diversify into the others as well. So good. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Gina Los Angeles. 
And she just broke down so many things. I want you to understand though, even when Gina was just starting out and in the middle of a recession, cutting expenses, she still invested in her success working with one coach at a time and setting out a clear four month plan of action. She also reminded us that there were people who didn't shop online that are now being forced to shop online. You have the whole world's attention right now and she believes it's time to ramp up your business and get in front of the people you need to. And remember, she made her first million with four kids, made her first Amazon sale on her dad delivery of her fourth kid, and at the four month mark, with a newborn, a one year old, a two and a half year old, and a six year old, so three in diapers, she made 100K from that Amazon business. And she had a small budget, starting with only 150 units, and sold out of those in three weeks on Amazon. She taught us so much. She taught us about Amazon preferred shippers, UPS, DHL, and Amazon. And she also taught us the three things we must do to begin. So define who our audience is, which helps with the language and the images that we use on Amazon. She taught us to set up our team and get it all clear, mapping out and delegating to graphic designers or whoever, even if that means outsourcing to a contractor at the start. And three, which is understanding the Amazon platform, which sets you up as a professional seller and knowing your fees. We talk about this so often, right? The importance of knowing the numbers. She also mentioned the importance of having a launch strategy, maybe sending to your email list and giving products to certain people, whatever it is, and the importance of ranking for keywords. So, so, so much good information in there. So I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, remember to leave a review because that lets me know that you enjoy episodes like this and I can get more like this in your ears to listen. So leave that review and tell Tag us on Instagram. Take a screenshot of this episode to let us know you're listening. And tag me at Gainete, G-A-Y-N-E-T-E, and Gina at Gina Los Angeles. Sounds exactly like it's spelled. Until next time. Okay, okay, I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you. 